I appreciate the uh, reference to the, the uh, monarch butterflies. Um, the, the butterfly has always been an important metaphor for me for spiritual transformation. Um, there was a point uh, when I was young, had a wonderful VBS uh, teacher. We actually had a vacation Bible school when uh, we were in Dublin, Indiana, where uh, this was when kids were out of school probably by, what, uh, April or May, I guess. And we had the first week of a week-long uh, VBS. And then we met for one week for the whole summer. And she got us interested in nature. She got us interested in uh, tracking butterflies. And we actually were able to take these little caterpillars and the milkweeds, and, and we made little houses out of milk cartons, if you will, with a little mesh over them, and could actually watch the butterfly go from the caterpillar just eating the milkweed, become the chrysalis, and then to open up into uh, the butterfly itself. And, uh, and if you're there and the timing's right, you can actually put the butterfly on your finger and a little bit of sugar water on a spoon and it rolls its tongue out like a big old hose and brings it back in. But what I didn't realize is this, um, that they were able a few years ago to track sound waves coming out of the cocoon of a butterfly. And we have this beautiful, beautiful creature that emerges from the cocoon. What I didn't realize was that when it goes from the caterpillar to the cocoon, it literally, literally becomes nothing but goo within that cocoon. It just breaks down into goo. And the sound waves that they heard within it were of immense pain and suffering. That's what the, the only thing they could relate it to. But it was out of that breaking down and through that suffering that you see this beautiful creature come forth in just the right time and, and fly. And that has always been so powerful to me to know that built into the fabric of creation, suffering is never wasted. Built into the fabric of creation, pain and suffering is never wasted. It somehow finds its way into the beauty of who we are at some point in some way. So I hope maybe for someone here this morning that's helpful to know that if you're experiencing pain, if you're experiencing suffering of any kind, it's not wasted and God is not, um, God is not oblivious. God's ears are up to our own chrysalis, if you will, and hears that pain and suffering. And then in due time, there very well will be beauty that will come forth for you. And beauty in our soul for what we bring to this world. So some of you know, Linda works for Guilford County Health Department. She's not here today, as I said. She's, uh, she's feeling under the weather. It's too bad because she would love to hear what I'm about to say. Um, so she travels a lot around the county. She uh, visits homes probably sometimes maybe two or three a day, depending. And so sometimes we'll be out going somewhere, and we'll get into a part of Greensboro or High Point that I'm not familiar with. And Linda will look at me, and she'll say, well, just turn here. And they'll go here and then go here. And I'll give her that look that says, really, are you actually sure? And there's also a little bit of pride here that says, I think I know the way, Linda. Just you relax over there, I got this covered. But she really does know the back roads and the back streets and the back neighborhoods of both these towns. And then she looks at me with this sort of kind of side eye and then she says, look, just trust me. Just trust me. And so I do and 
more often than not, somehow we end up where we're supposed to end up. How we got there, I have no idea. Now don't tell her this. Some of the places that she has tipped me off to, I actually use those as shortcuts now. I just don't tell her that's exactly what I do. <laughs> Maybe that's what we're all seeking, though, in life. A way forward. A way to live. A way that will bring meaning and purpose. A way that helps our lives make sense. A way that leads to wholeness and aliveness. And when life doesn't make sense, we're troubled. And we seek a way that will help make sense of life. And I'm going to use that word way a lot today. About 245, there's going to be about 60, 70 folks that will come into this meeting house. We're part of what's called the Interfaith Tour this afternoon. And we're the second. There's two places they're going, two, and we're the second one. And they're going to come here, and then they're going, we're going to tell them a little bit about who we are as Quakers, who we are as friends, um, and then we'll send them on their way. In your bulletin, I have actually photocopied this, the top quote under Thoughts for Reflection. Deep River Friends Meeting is a Christ-centered faith community gathered around the leadership of the living Christ, and we seek to live in the way of Jesus, that's the phrase, through our faithfulness to his leadings and our Quaker testimonies of simplicity, peace, integrity, community, equality, and service. We have no greater allegiance than to the kingdom of God. We have no greater privilege than serving our community and making God's love real. We're searching for a way. Maybe sometimes we ask here at Deep River Friends, maybe you do, maybe you don't. Which way are we going? Which way are we headed? And what I want to say in, in very some simple terms, but very real terms, we're headed in the way of Jesus, I hope. We're headed in that way. So Jesus says to his disciples in this passage, don't be troubled, trust in God, trust also in me. Trust is probably the most essential component of any relationship. Because without it, we have a hard time believing that the other person has our best interest at heart. We become self-protective. We hold back. There's disconnection. We don't risk with each other, and we hold ourselves back. So Jesus invites his followers to trust him, to trust him with their lives from beginning to end. And he offers this phrase, my father's house has room to spare. If that weren't the case, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When I go to prepare a place for you, I will return and take you to be with me so that where I am, you will be too. Now, whatever else that means, it has this feeling of an all-embracing presence with an all-embracing care from beginning to end. That Jesus' disciples will never be abandoned, will never be forgotten. And Jesus seems to be saying that whoever follows, whoever chooses to follow him and his ways will never be abandoned nor forgotten. And it's that case in that moment that Jesus says, like Linda says, trust me. Trust in me. Trust in God. You will also trust in me. Which brings us back to our souls seeking a way. Jesus tells us, his followers, that they know the way to the place he's going. And Thomas, who's always full of questions, asks, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Seems like a fair question. Thomas has never been to where Jesus is going. His followers have never been to where Jesus is going. How can you know the way to somewhere if you've never been to wherever you are going? We need something. We need someone to show us the way. If I say to you, let's follow and live in the way of Jesus, you're like, how do I know? What do I do? Tell me, how do I do that? My response would simply be, just look at Jesus. Just follow Jesus. Because he says to his disciples, trust me, I am the way and the truth and the life. And Jesus being the way is the way to life that is life. 
What he's saying is, I can be trusted because it's the way that life was meant to be lived, because I am the reflection of the divine, and God is at work recreating us so we can live in the way God intended us to live, all of humanity to live. And because to see Jesus is to see God, and to live in the way of Jesus is to live in the way of God intended. Now, I would only bring this up if I didn't realize in my own life there are sorts of all other ways that we can choose to live. I kind of catalog these the other day as I was working on this message, looking for ways that work. So, for example, Frank Sinatra saying what? I did it my way. So sometimes we choose that. There is the American way, the way that sometimes leaves us feeling very tired, feeling very stressed, feeling very overworked, never feeling as if we have done enough or there's always something more to do. We're a very individualistic productive society, and sometimes that American way just feels you work hard and you work hard and you work hard, but you never rest. There's the way of the dominant culture, whatever is the latest fad. There's the way of power, competition, scarcity, which essentially spends its life grabbing all we can and making sure that I have more than everybody else. There's the way of living life as one big checklist, one big to-do list, hemmed in by expectations without any awareness of joy or freedom. Sometimes there's this way of ideologies or traditions, and then there are the ways of institutions and even churches. Maybe you've heard the phrase, quote, that's not the way we do it around here. We all have those ways and those phrases. And all these ways to live, all these ways to choose from, all these ways that shape us not only become who we are, but it's how we live. And like Thomas, we ask ourselves, how can we know the way? Well, in his book, The Way of Jesus, the late Eugene Peterson writes this, quote, My concern is that the prominence of the way in our scriptures and traditions that show us how to glorify God has been transferred into contemporary life in ways of getting money, getting jobs, and getting power. And then he adds this phrase, quote, Jesus is an alternative to the dominant ways of the world, not a supplement to them. Now, that's a few little words, but that's a really big statement. Jesus is an alternative to the dominant ways of the world, not a supplement to them. I often want to live my life in my own way and by my own way, and I want to add Jesus as a supplement to my way. And we may take supplements to support our health, and in the same way we have Jesus as our supplement to already support our existing way of being. It's like me saying, I'm going to do it this way, I'm going to live my own way, I'm going to follow my own way, and I'm going to invite Jesus somewhere along the way to bless it to sanction it, to supplement. The shift is, am I totally open to living in the way of Jesus? To living in the way that Jesus lived, to look at how Jesus lived, to know quite honestly that that way I can trust because it is the most whole and healthy way to exist. It's the way God intended. And Jesus says, I am an alternative to the dominant ways of the world. The dominant ways often bring anxiousness, fear, worry, greed, and violence, and overconsumption. Jesus says, I offer you life, deep fulfillment of heart and soul, and abundance not found in one's possessions, but found in one's relationship with God. It is an abundance rooted in God's love for you, a love that offers rest for your souls. And as you follow me, as you live in the way that I live, you will discover a life of deep abundance, courage, confidence, peace, joy, generosity, and aliveness. And it's then as if Jesus adds at the end, trust me. Just trust that this way works. You know, it's been noted in other writings that Gandhi spent two hours a day in meditation, an hour in the morning and an hour 
in the evening. He did this for more than 40 years. And he always spent that time in silence and other readings. But most of the time he read the Sermon on the Mount for 40 years, morning and evening. And he recognized, as he put it himself, that Jesus offered this alternative way to the dominant ways of the world. And he was quoted as saying this, I saw that the Sermon on the Mount was the whole of Christianity for those who wanted to live a Christian life. It is that sermon which has endeared Jesus to me. I need something, or capital S, someone, to show me the way because I'm continually losing my way. I'll lose my way due to my own selfishness or my own immaturity or my own pride. I'll I'll lose my way because I want to grasp life and do it my way that I think this will ultimately work and be better. I need something or someone, capital S, to show me the way, a way that has integrity, a way that breathes life into me, but also life back into this world. When I was thinking about what this looked like for me, I began to write down these various possibilities. And here's what I've experienced as I've sought to live in the way of Jesus by paying attention to the life of Jesus. I've learned this, the way to a generous world is to practice generosity. The way to a nonviolent world is to practice nonviolence. The way to a peaceful world is to practice peace. The way to a reconciled world is to practice reconciliation. I'm always struck by that passage in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus basically says, if you have a gift that you're going to bring to your altar or bring to the altar, before you bring any gift to the altar, what does Jesus say? Go and reconcile with your brother and sister. Which I think sometimes is really a way of Jesus saying, look, don't use ritual and worship and ceremony to hide from the things that need to be taken care of when it comes to relationships. Take care of that first, because that's what's most important. The way to a compassionate world is to practice love and compassion towards others. The way to a life of peace and joy is to practice living confidently in the awareness of God's care and provision for our lives. The way to a life of balance and I don't know how many times I hear that from people throughout the week, and it's real. I need to bring balance into my life. It's out of control. I just cannot get a hold of my life. I'm just everywhere, and I'm just doing everything. What I found is the way to a life of balance is to practice living with a healthy rhythm of time with people and time away from people while also caring for my soul through silence and solitude. And where do I see that? That's in the life of Jesus, in the way of Jesus. He practiced that. Jesus did not believe that exhaustion was a spiritual gift. (laughs) Jesus believed that there was time to rest. Often he said to his disciples, let's get away and rest for a while. I've often found that the way to a redeemed humanity is to practice living more humanely with others. I love the phrase that Lisa gave us a few moments ago, that God is at work in this world. Lynn and I were went to see Aaron a couple weeks ago, and we were uh, backed up on our flights going out to San Francisco. Uh, we got to Las Vegas. The flight to San Francisco was delayed about three hours. We still had a flight, but we were getting there late. Everyone was cranky. Everyone was tired, you know, so we got on the flight. And we take off, and we're about, you know, 20,000, 30,000 feet, and there is a toddler three rows behind us that is just having a great time. Loud, rambunctious, I mean laughing and just yelling and everything, and the mom just kept going, shh, 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 just trying to settle the kid down. And finally, about 
two rows behind me to the left on the other side, some woman just all of a sudden yells out in the cabin of the plane, will you shut up? <laughs> Took my glasses off and I looked around. I thought, this is going to get interesting. <laughs> so a couple minutes later, the woman to my left, she steps out into the row to go use the restroom. She turns around and happens to f come face to face with the mother. And the mother says, were you the one that told my kid to shut up? And she says, yes, I was. And the woman throws behind and says, well, I just want to say to you, excuse me, F you. <laughs> she didn't say that. She said the full word. And I thought, this is really going to get interesting. So the woman goes to the restroom. And I have to tell you, I started praying. Number one, I was tired of traveling. I did not want to be diverted for a fight on the plane. <laughs> Second, I started thinking, this can't be the way our world works. It cannot be. So I literally began to breathe a prayer. I just began to breathe a prayer, Lord, I just pray that something works out, God, bring some peace to this situation. Woman starts walking back down the road. And as she walks back down the road, I am prepared. I'm just like, I don't know what's going to happen here. I feel like we're in the crossfire. I was getting kind of anxious because something's going to go down. Woman walks by me. She leans over to the woman in the rows behind us with the kid or three rows back, and she says, I apologize. And the other one says, well, thank you. And the rest of the flight, except for the kid, was peaceful. But it didn't matter anymore. Now, I say that to say, I don't know these women's faith tradition. I don't know what it is, but it told me, you know, it is as simple of living in the way of Jesus as offering apologies sometimes, getting past our pride and humility and realizing that that is how God can work in this world. I don't know if it was connected with my prayer. I have no idea. I'll take it. What I do know is that God is at work and can work in these ways. And the way to abundant life is also through a heart of abundance and practicing generosity. One more story because I just found this profound. How many of you know who Carson King is? Anybody know Carson King? If you watch sports, you probably do know Carson King. A couple weeks ago, he was during, uh, when they have uh, college football on Saturdays, they have uh, game day. And you have all the announcers there, and they have all the students behind him holding up signs and dressed up. Carson King was holding up a sign that simply said this, my bush light supply needs replenished. Yeah, he just, he just held up a sign thinking, I'll get maybe a couple cans or something like this. By the time he got back to his room, he had $600 in Venmo account. And it just kept building and building and building to the point where he finally called his family and says, I don't need this much bush light. I got to do something with this money. Carson decided to donate this money to the Iowa Stead Children's Family Hospital in Iowa City. And by the time that I heard the interview yesterday, Venmo, the pay service, Bush Light had partnered with Carson King, and they were up to $900,000 that they had donated to this hospital. All because one person decided, I don't need $600 for beer. I'm going to give this away. See, what I have learned in the kingdom of God and what I have learned in the way of Jesus is when you start sharing and giving away like the feeding of the 5,000, something happens and it multiplies. Generosity will be honored. Sharing will be honored. And God will somehow multiply that, that good things 
are done. I love the quote in the Talmud which says this, when a person does a good deed when he doesn't have to, God looks down and says, you know, for this moment alone, it was worth creating the world. For this moment alone, it was worth creating the world. I just want to say this morning, which way are we going? For me, I hope I'm going in the way of Jesus. For Deep River Friends, I hope we are going in the way of Jesus, because that's what I'm going to tell them this afternoon at about 2.45. We're going in the way of Jesus, which leads to a way of life that we call the Quaker way, but we ground that Quaker way in the way of Jesus and the kingdom of God, which shows forth in simplicity, peace, integrity, community, equality, and service, and anything else. But here's what I know. For me, at least, it's the way that I have found that can be trusted. It's the way that brings life. It's the way that brings joy. It's the way that brings aliveness. And as my wife would say, just trust me.